0: Section 25 of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bella Nelson. The World Story, Volume 12. The United States. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 25, How Oglethorpe Saved Georgia from Spain, 1743, by Cyrus Townsend Brady. The Georgia seaboard, even more than that of the Carolinas, is covered with large islands and shoals, access to the mainland being had through numerous sounds between the islands. On several of these islands, Oglethorpe had erected fortifications notably Fort William on Cumberland Island, commanding Amelia Sound, but the principal defensive works were on St. Simon's Island, off the mouth of the Altamaha River. Here, some six years before, had been established the military settlement of Frederica. As he had named the province Georgia in honor of George II, so he had called the town Frederica, after the worthless and dissipated Frederick, Prince of Wales, who is known to fame as the father of george III, and is the man for whose dog pope wrote the following verse i am his highness dog q good reader pray whose dog are you these are the principal things for which frederick is noted georgia was of necessity what we would now call a buffer state between the older northerly colonies and the spanish settlements in florida oglethorpe had chosen location of st simon's island with an eye single to its defensive possibilities on a high bluff surrounded by thick and impenetrable forests about midway on the western shore of the island he had built a fort protected on the land side by a tide water ditch and on the river side by a water battery and by another battery of twelve heavy guns so mounted as to command the channel of a navigable river which gave access to the place for three quarters of a mile any attacking ships would be forced to subject themselves to a raking fire for that distance as they came in in addition they would be compelled to endure an oblique fire from the fort itself the entrenchments were strongly built of a material called tabby a compound of lime sand and shells which harden upon exposure Into stone like cement of impenetrable consistency. The fort and the batteries were amply provided with artillery. On one side of the fort, before the forest began, was an open place used as a parade ground, which was completely commanded by its guns. Back of the fort, the town, surrounded by a rampart, was built. No access to Frederica, built upon the landward or the river shore, was possible from the seaward shore of the island on account of the character of the beach and certain pathless morasses beyond it at the lower part of the island in commanding st simon's or jekyll sound several batteries had been erected and a well-built road laid out connecting frederica with these works the road wound about in devious course between impenetrable forests and dangerous marshes sometimes it would widen into a meadow or savannah where would be a clearing spacious enough in which to pitch a camp but presently the forest and the marsh would approach each other once more and the road resume its character of a narrow pass to garrison frederica oglethorpe had his own regiment which was an efficient body of men well officered several companies of rangers and a small body of highlanders from the settlement of darien full of warlike courage and zeal as became the children of the fighting scottish race in all they amounted to less than eight hundred men to supplement this force he had his own schooner of fourteen guns and eighty men two sloops of about the same size and armament a large merchant ship called the success which mounted twenty-two guns and several smaller craft before attempting any enterprise against the upper coast cities to the northward it was necessary for the invaders to dispose of this force. It would be dangerous to leave such a post, diminish the rear of the Spanish expedition, and possibly destroy its communications. Montiano, therefore, intended to sweep the little English in colonial force off the coast in short order and proceed on his way rejoicing. He thought it would be an easy task. He reckoned without his host, as we shall see. On the 22nd of June, 1743, the commanding officer of Fort William found means to inform Oglethorpe that 14 Spanish ships had appeared off Amelia Sound. It was the advance of the expected attack. After a smart engagement with the fort, they were driven off with some loss and entered Cumberland Sound north of the island and out of range of Fort William, but within easy shooting distance of Fort Andrew. The two forts on Cumberland Island were both small and not provided with large garrisons. Their situation was critical. Oglethorpe acted promptly, he always did. Embarking two companies of his regiment on his own schooner and the two sloops, and taking advantage of a favorable wind, he at once put to sea. On the evening of the twenty third of June, he came in sight of the Spanish squadron riding quietly at anchor, giving them no time to get under way or to make any other preparation for battle with bold yet calculated courage he dashed at them although one of his captains named tolson became panic-stricken at the sight of the odds and bore away from the approaching contest seeking safety and ignominious flight oglethorpe followed by the other sloop kept right on the spaniards were taken by surprise at the audacity of his maneuvers yet they hurried to their quarters and opened a wild and ineffectual fire upon the approaching english from the guns that bore oglethorpe skilfully ran into the smoke banks to leeward and himself hidden deliberately poured his broadsides into the huddled mass of the spanish at short range with such effect that no less than four of the spanish vessels afterward foundered in a storm on account of the severe handling they had received The two little vessels succeeded in passing the Spanish fleet with little or no loss. Oglethorpe landed immediately on Cumberland Island, and after spiking the guns of Fort Saint Andrew, threw some of his soldiers and the garrison of the abandoned work into Fort William, leaving a promising young Scotsman named Alexander Stewart in command of that work. The general succeeded in regaining Saint Simon's Island with his two remaining vessels without further loss his arrival was a source of great joy to the soldiers and inhabitants of frederica as the boat which had run away had returned bearing the news that oglethorpe's flotilla had been sunk by the spaniards and that he had been lost the cowardly captain was immediately put under arrest for his pusillanimous conduct on the twenty-eighth of june the united spanish fleet appeared off st simon's bar the number of vessels varies in the different accounts some authorities stating that there were as many as fifty-six there were at least thirty-six of them however the largest being three ships of twenty guns each although the majority of them were vessels of a sort known as a half-galley probably propelled by sweeps as well as sails some of them were large enough to carry one hundred and twenty men and mount an eighteen-pound gun although being built for service in inland streams they drew but five feet of water. The statements as to the number of soldiers on board ranged from seven to five thousand. On the 5th of July, the Spaniards, taking advantage of a brisk gale and a heavy flood tide, crossed the bar and engaged the forts at the end of the island. For four hours, the battle was severely contested. The success and the small ships also joined in the encounter, and the Spanish made four different attempts To board the Success, which, from her larger size, was necessarily anchored farthest away from the shore. They were repulsed in each instance with heavy loss. They finally abandoned the contest, but they succeeded in passing the forts and entering the river well up toward Frederica. Oglethorpe acted promptly as usual. Sending his vessels to sea with orders that they proceed to Savannah, he spiked the guns of the batteries at the lower end of the island and concentrated his forces at frederica the spanish commander having reconnoitred the water approach to that fort and after having advanced rather hesitatingly to attack it which attempt was repulsed with some loss determined to land his army at gascoigne's bluff on the island some four thousand men including the spanish artillery grenadiers and dismounted dragoons and regiments of negroes and mulattoes took possession of the abandoned forts erected additional batteries mounting twenty eighteen-pound guns and made other preparations for the expected conquest they had discovered that it was impossible to take the fort by water and that it was equally impossible to lead an army through the woods the military road which oglethorpe had built offered the only practicable mode of access to frederica on the seventh of july Don Manuel sent out a scouting party comprising one hundred and twenty Spaniards, forty Indians, and forty Negro Grenadiers. They came marching gaily up the road and walked blindly into an ambush which had been prepared with consummate skill by the English commander in the battle that ensued, the greater part of them were killed out of hand. A few only of the Indians and Negroes escaped to tell the tale. Oglethorpe took a prominent part in the fighting engaging the Spanish captain hand to hand, and finally killing him. He performed several feats of personal prowess in the encounter, which greatly endeared him to his men. The English pursued the flying Spanish for several miles, until they came to an open meadow on the edge of which Oglethorpe posted them in anticipation of a return attack. He himself returned post-haste to Frederica, to bring up the rest of his men. Don Manuel— When he heard of the disastrous defeat, immediately sent out a second and much stronger party, comprising one hundred grenadiers, two hundred infantry, a small squadron of horse, and a large body of negro troops and Indians, all under the command of Don Antonio Barba, a veteran and experienced soldier. Throwing out scouts and making use of every precaution, they marched up the road to the place held by the detachment of Oglethorpe's men and a small body of the highlanders notwithstanding their previous success in some way the regulars became panic-stricken as the spanish advance appeared in the open and after exchanging a few futile volleys they abandoned the field and withdrew the retrograde movement soon became a rapid retreat and they streamed up the road in one of those strange panics which sometimes seizes upon the best of troops a platoon of the Highlanders under Lieutenant Mackay, and a small body of colonial rangers under Lieutenant Sutherland brought up the rear. Fortunately, they did not share the prevailing fear of their comrades, and after retreating a short distance, they resolved to lay an ambuscade for the pursuing Spaniards. They halted, turned about, made a detour, struggled back through the woods until they actually got in the rear of the Spanish forces still advancing up the road they chose a position where the way narrowed to a width of less than twenty yards and bent into a crescent between a morass and the thick wood and there determined to wait an opportunity of dealing a decisive blow not doubting that the enemy would soon return having learned something of the dangers of the way by their previous disastrous repulse the spanish advance had been halted after a short pursuit and as they thought, they had dispersed the force before them, and as they were not strong enough to attack Frederica, they retraced their steps and returned to the open to make a camp. They came back slowly, so that the Georgians had ample time to make proper dispositions. They carefully chose their place and lay concealed in the thick undergrowth awaiting the enemy. Presently, the Spaniards came marching along the road. As they reached the spot where the English had been awaiting them, and whence the regulars had retreated in terror, imagining that no enemy was anywhere near them, and considering themselves protected by Martian wood, they entered the defile, covered by the guns of the waiting Scots, halted, dismounted, stacked arms, and prepared to repose and rest under the shade of the palmetto tree. The colonists had been cautioned by Mackay, the ranking officer, on no account to fire until he gave the word. It was his desire completely to surround the Spaniards before he began the engagement, but a Spanish horse happening to catch a sight of a Highland bonnet through the trees over the undergrowth, the wearer, in disobedience to orders, having risen to get a better look, shied violently and attracted the attention of his rider, and he at once gave the alarm. The Spaniards awoke to the peril of their situation and sprang to their arms. Concealment was at an end. Instantly the highlanders and rangers fired. The Spaniards, taken at a great disadvantage, and seeing the woods on either side of them ablaze with musketry, after a few feeble and ineffectual discharges by such men as could reach their weapons, turned to fly. The officers bravely tried to check their retreat, but unavailingly. Don Antonio Barba was mortally wounded, and many of the officers fell. The highlanders and rangers burst out of the woods, and charged upon the enemy with bayonet or claymore in hand. This completed the route. More than two hundred of the Spanish party were killed and wounded on the spot, and many captured before they got out of reach of the little party of scarcely more than fifty Highlanders and Rangers. Back on the road, advancing at the head of the rest of his troops, Oglethorpe met the fleeing soldiers of the regiment and heard the story of their disgraceful retreat. Rallying the men and putting an officer in charge of them with instructions to bring them up at full speed, he galloped on ahead down the road at a great pace. He saw, of course, that the Highlanders and Rangers were not with the rest of the troops, and when he heard the firing, he imagined that they had been, or were being, cut down and captured. The Spaniards had openly declared that they would give quarter to neither man nor woman in great anxiety oglethorpe made his way toward the scene of the encounter what was his joy when he reached the pass to find that not one of his troops had been touched and that over two hundred of the enemy lay dead and dying before him of the remainder of the spanish party but few reached the main camp so fierce had been the attack and pursuit of the colonists that most of the spaniards had forsaken the road in their blind attempts to escape those who unwittingly plunged into the hideous marsh, of course, never succeeded in extricating themselves from its awful depths, while for years afterward, hunters ranging the woods would find in lonely spots skeletons which told grim tales of lost Spaniards dying of starvation in the savage wastes of the forests. The encounter was called the Battle of Bloody Marsh, and oglethorpe promoted the two young officers who had commanded the highlanders and rangers on the field it is noteworthy that this battle was gained by the colonists alone after the men of the regiment recruited in england had fled the field meanwhile the situation of the soldiers in the spanish camp was growing desperate fever and dysentery had broken out hundreds of the men fell ill and fresh water was scarce they were unable properly to care for the many wounded and ill they had lost over five hundred men in the several battles they made however one more attempt to capture the place this time by a boat expedition the attack was gallantly made but they were beaten off with great loss by the forts and the batteries at frederica several of the spanish boats were sunk and oglethorpe commanding the boats of the place pursued the flying spaniards until he was within range of the guns of their ships. Dissensions sprang up between them on account of these repeated failures, and the rivalry between the contingents from Cuba and Florida at last developed a dangerous degree of antagonism and discontent. Learning this situation, Oglethorpe, although the Spaniards still numbered over 3,000 effectives, determined to beat up their camp. For the expedition, he chose 500 of his best troops, notably the Highlanders and Rangers, who had done such valiant work at bloody marsh and with them advanced to the attack on the night of the twelfth of july a frenchman in the party however gave the alarm to the spaniards by firing his musket and before he could be apprehended escaped in the darkness and made his way to the spanish camp in which the men immediately stood at their arms oglethorpe therefore had to withdraw but he turned the man's desertion to good account the traitor revealed to Don manuel the feebleness of the garrison of frederica and urged him to attack it in force when the result would be certain success the commander was hesitating when a spaniard who had been taken by oglethorpe and who professed to have escaped from captivity was brought to him on his person was found a letter which he confessed to have agreed to deliver to the frenchman for a sum of money that had been given to him the english general had written this letter to the frenchman reporting to consider him as his spy, and in it, among other things, urged him to persuade the Spaniards to remain in their camp for three days or more, or until an English fleet with two thousand troops aboard, then on its way, should come down from Charleston. He also stated that Admiral Vernon was about to attack St. Augustine with another fleet. Oglethorpe had bribed the prisoner, and the letter fell into the hands of the Spanish commander, as Oglethorpe knew it would "'instead of being delivered to the Frenchman. "'The ruse succeeded perfectly. "'Instead of the friend whose advice was worth having, "'and who would have helped them, "'the Spanish officers looked upon the Frenchman as an English spy. "'They would have hanged him in spite of his protestations "'of the falsity of Oglethorpe's letter, "'had not Don Manuel, who entertained some doubt as to the reports, "'interfered to save his life. "'The situations of the Spaniards, however,' was such that when word was brought them that three ships, South Carolina scouting vessels, had been seen in the offing, supposing them to indicate the approach of the English fleet, they were filled with terror. Sick, hungry, thirsty, dispirited, they set fire to the fort, and abandoning large quantities of stores and supplies, including their guns, they piled aboard their ships and sailed away. There was no English fleet anywhere near the scene of action and none was coming. No ships were menacing St. Augustine either. Oglethorpe at once surmised that they would stop at Fort William, and endeavoured to strike one effective blow there. He sent expresses, therefore, to the young commander, and bade him hold on at all hazards. For two days, Ensign Stuart and sixty men sustained a vigorous attack from the Spaniards, whom they finally repulsed. Oglethorpe had followed in the wake of the retreating ships, with his own small vessels, and annoyed them as much as he could. Shortly after the middle of July, the Spaniards abandoned their expedition, and the whole armada left the coast, never to return. The celebrated Whitefield, who was with Oglethorpe at the time, said of the results of the campaign, The deliverance of Georgia is such as cannot be paralleled, save by some of the incidents of the Old Testament. When the smallness of his force and the overwhelming strength of the Spaniards is considered, the student of history must agree with the theologian. Oglethorpe's defense had been brilliant in the extreme. He had saved the southern colonies from coming under the evil of Spanish rule. Of the little campaign, it is not too much to record, with approval, the phrase which called the narrow road between the wood and the marsh at Frederica, the Thermopylae of America. End of section 25. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bella Nelson.